Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Matthew chapter 19. And uh, once again, I just want to tag on to what my wife said. Welcome to Urban. Uh, she mentioned the card that you filled out. Now, we do have an incentive for you. If you fill that out and you drop it at the information table, which is that table when you first walked in, we have a free gift for you, all right? And it's one you can drink coffee out of or tea if you're a tea drinker, okay? Um, or punch, I don't know, whatever you drink. But um, we have a gift for you. Love for you to drop your card off there and receive that free gift. And also, um, I love playing volleyball. I love hanging out on the beach. I know my whole family is going to be there tomorrow. If you can make it down, you can get all the information online. Uh, Matthew chapter 19 uh, I'm going to jump right there. I'm going to read several scriptures here in just a minute. Uh, but today we're going to talk about divorce. Last week we talked about marriage, and we talked about how marriage is a covenant. And what does a covenant mean? And how most people, when they look at marriage, they don't see a covenant. What they see is a contract, something to be fulfilled, or uh, something to, yeah, to, to fulfill a contract, much like a car lease. And uh, we talked about how that's the way most people actually view uh, their marriage. But as we looked at the Bible, we discovered that the Bible does not look at marriage like that at all, but the Bible looks at marriage as a covenant, where a contract is meant to be fulfilled, a marriage is meant to be, or a covenant marriage is meant to be lived out. And so we looked at that last week, and today we're going to talk about divorce. How did this whole series get started? We asked our people over the last three months, what do you want to hear about in church? And then we also had it online, and many people went online and just put down, I would love to hear about this, 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 this. And so we compiled all those, and we came up with seven different topics, put them in a uh, sequential order. And so today, number two, we are talking about divorce. Now, divorce is a very sensitive issue probably for all of us, um, because the reality of divorce is this, is that all of us either have come from a divorced family, um, have experienced divorce ourselves, or we have a close friend that has experienced divorce. And so really, divorce touches everybody. No matter who you are, you are some way affected by divorce. And so we want to be uh, sensitive with this issue today, but we want to look and see what the Bible has to say about divorce. So I'll, as you're looking at Matthew, I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 2. You can turn there if you want as well, but we're going to end up at Matthew. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read four different scriptures to you. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today, and then we'll pray. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, says this, So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the place from which he had taken it. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to Adam. At last, Adam exclaimed, she is part of my own flesh and bone. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now I'm going to read to you out of Jeremiah 3. Verses 6, 7, and 8. It says this, During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, Have you seen the fickle is, what fickle Israel does? Like a wife who commits adultery, Israel has worshipped other gods on every hill and under every green tree. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me. But she did not come back. And though her faithless sister Judah saw this, she paid no attention. She saw that I had divorced faithless Israel and sent her away. But now Judah too has left me and given herself to prostitution. I'm going to read you Malachi 2, 15 and 16. Malachi 2, 
15 and 16 say this. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are His. And what does He want? Godly children from your union. So guard yourself. Remain loyal to your wife of your youth. Listen to verse 16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. It is cruel as putting uh, away victims. Or blood-stained coat, says the Lord Almighty. Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 1. After Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went southward, the region of Judea, into the area east of the Jordan River. Vast crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with the question. The question is this, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for any reason? Verse 4, Jesus answered, haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. Verse 7, then why did Moses say a man could merely write an official letter of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce as a concession to your hard-hearted wickedness, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, a man who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that you would speak straight from your word, God, that which you have for us today. God, I pray that as we examine what your word says about divorce, that God, it is not my job to bring condemnation or conviction. It is just my job to share the truth with people, the truth of your word. And as we hear that truth, God, we know that ultimately it's going to set us free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Today, as we talk about divorce, the Bible says this in John chapter 8, verse 32. It says, you will know the truth, and the truth will... Can you turn these monitors down? The truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I've had the opportunity... Uh, to travel uh, quite a bit uh, around the world and speak at different places. And I feel like it is my job not to come and, and convict people. It is not my job to come and condemn people. It is not my job to come and say, hey, you're living wrong in this area. You need to twist this. You need to do that. It is just simply my job as a pastor or a communicator of the Word of God to say, this is what God's Word says. Now you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And as we talk about these subjects today, uh, that's, all, uh, that's all we want to do is say, hey, here's what the Bible says. Now work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I believe this. I believe that as you come to know the truth, the truth will set you free. I have, I've been in church a long time, but I haven't heard divorce necessarily preached about a lot. It's not necessarily a popular topic that you preach about in church, although, like we said earlier, it should be. Um, because really divorce is not just affecting those that don't attend church. Divorce is affecting those that are in church. And therefore divorce is literally one of those big white elephants sitting in the middle of the room. We don't really know how to address it. We don't really know how to confront it. And so we just let it sit there and we kind of let people develop their own knowledge of it and do with it as they want. 
Um, but it's our job then to share what the Bible says about that. I remember I was in one meeting and we, we were taking just kind of a poll and, and, you know, we were asking the question, you know, how many of you guys have been divorced? And, and literally probably more than 50% of the hands went up. And, and, and I was like, man, how many of you guys have been remarried and, and divorced a second time? And hands went up. And then a third. And then, you know, I was like, my gosh. And then, you know, I was just like, you know what, how many guys have, you know, been married a fourth time? And, and, and somebody's hand went up, and all I could say is, may the fourth be with you. All right? Because the cycle has to stop someplace. Are you with me? And at some point, you have to realize, wait, maybe there's something wrong with my perception. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I've been in this many marriages this many times. Now, I know there's two wills at work, but if you've been in that many relationships and that many marriages, maybe it's time to look at the man or the woman in the mirror and begin to make some adjustments and see what God has to say in his word. Let me give you real quickly the definition of divorce according to dictionary.com. It says this, it's a judicial declaration dissolving a marriage in whole or in part, especially one that releases the husband and wife from all matrimonial obligations. They're going to make me sound less hollow. It's awesome. Let me give you the reality of divorce. The reality of divorce is this, is that 50% of those who get married today, statistically, will end in divorce. 50% 50% of those, so if, if there were 100 people, I just did a wedding yesterday, and I don't like to think about this statistic, but if 100 people got married today, statistically, 50 of those marriages would not last. Divorce is ranked second, maybe you already know this, divorce is ranked second on the stress chart, only after death. So death, when people experience a, a death of a relative or someone close to them, man, that stress level is high. But right after that, the very next one is divorce. So you wonder why there are so many stressed out people in the world. Well, 50% of them are divorced. 80% of those who divorce will remarry within three years. Three years. 65% of those who remarry will end in divorce again. Why is that? Because divorce is not an outward thing. Divorce starts with an internal thing. Divorce, if we don't understand it according to the Bible, we'll just keep being a cycle over and over and over and over and over again. I don't know what the statistics are on the third marriage, but the second one is, is 65% of those then. So if 100 people got married today for the second time, 65 of those are going to end in divorce. Why is that? Because it's got to go back to a root issue. It's got to go back to the heart. It's got to go, are you with me this morning? Okay. And so we want to look at what the Bible says about divorce. There's an author named Dorothy Dix, and she says this. She says, so many people think divorce is the cure-all for every ill, who find out when they try it that the remedy is worse than the disease. We could look at our situation and we think, man, this is the only way out. Divorce is the only way to go. That's the cure-all to what's going on in my life, only to find out that is much worse than what you were dealing with. What does the Bible say about divorce? Number one, we're going to look at this. What is divorce? What is divorce? We know what dictionary.com said about divorce. It's a, a legal separation. What the Bible has to say about divorce isn't much different. Divorce was issued by a document declaring the separation of a husband and a wife which was mandated by the Mosaic Law. And if you just want to write this down, if you're a note taker, write down Deuteronomy 24, 1-4, where it talks about 
the divorce certificate. Now, back in the Old Testament, the women could not divorce the men. Okay, we're talking Old Covenant, Old Testament. Only the men could divorce the women, but they couldn't just do it for any reason. They had to show a burden of proof. They had to find something wrong, and therefore that was protecting the woman as well. They had to find something wrong. Then they could issue this thing. This is what the Bible says about it. The Bible says about divorce, it's the severing of a covenant. Last week we talked about marriage. Marriage is a covenant agreement between two parties, and we talked all that entails in a covenant. You'll have to go listen to our podcast and check that out as we laid out what a covenant is and what it entails. So therefore, divorce now is the severing of that covenant. This morning we read in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, that, that, that God's original design and God's original intent was that when man and woman were joined together. Now we talked last week that when they were joined together, it was literally like the man left his mom and dad, adios, see you later, and they were now super glued to their woman. All right. Now, I don't know if anybody super glued themselves together before, but it's not a fun experience. Has anybody ever done that? Whether on accident, me and you, I guess, are the only ones, either that or the only ones brave enough to admit it, okay? Now, not that I would do that on purpose, but as I'm fixing my daughter's toy, you know, you put a little super glue on, and then you're pinching it together to hold it there so it dries, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, no, I've become a part of the toy. Are you with me? Okay? And then you go to pull that off, and it, you know, super glue doesn't just pull. It literally can tear your flesh at times. Are you with me? That is the picture that God gives us of marriage, that you've now been super glued to your woman, to your wife, and you've now become one. You're no longer an individual. You are now one. So every decision you make affects her, and every decision she makes affects you. Okay, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in just a second. But now what happens in divorce, divorce comes, and it now begins to rip the two apart. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but when my skin rips, it usually takes some time to heal. Sometimes it can leave a scar. Sometimes it's painful. Are you with me? Divorce takes time to heal. Divorce can sometimes leave a scar, a permanent scar. And divorce is painful because it's literally the separation of a covenant. It's the tearing apart of what was one. It's literally shredding it or ripping it apart. Okay? As you read the Bible you see there's a progression to divorce, okay? Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, where it lays out what marriage is, you have to understand the Bible that this was before the fall of man. This was before sin entered humanity. So in other words, everything was perfect. How do we know that? Because we read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and God made light, and God made darkness, and, God, and he said that it was good and it goes on and like like 12 times god says man that is good man that is good it gets to where he made man and he says wow that is very good in other words what god made was perfect it was in perfect harmony it was working together and so before the fall when man and woman came together you got to understand this when man and woman came together when they came together they were co-equal they were together as one at this time in history, they were on the same playing field. Are you with me? At this time, the woman was not subservient to the man. The man was not the head of the household. They were co-equal, working together, functioning together. Okay? Why? Because there was perfect harmony. So at this point, divorce was not even a thought. Divorce was not even a, a conceived idea. And so, man, everything was in perfect harmony. And I can tell you this, that even though we now live in a fallen world, if a husband and a wife continue to submit themselves to God, continue to submit themselves to the world, word, and continue to submit themselves to one another, 
There can be perfect harmony even in a fallen world, and they don't have to face divorce. I really believe that. But what we see what happens next is after the fall, what happens? God comes along, and now what happens is man becomes subject to that which he was created from, which was what? The dust of the ground. What did God say to him? You are now going to work the ground, and you'll be subject to the ground. In other words, he is now subject to that which he was created from. But we see woman now is subject to that which she was created from. What was she created from? From man. She came out of man. So now the man is subject to the ground, and now the woman, because of the fall, was subject to the man. This is what the Bible says about divorce. What is divorce? It's literally the severing of a covenant. Okay? Number two, as we look at what the Bible says about divorce, number two, and we're going to spend some time on this one. Number two, this question always comes up, and it's this, is divorce a sin? Is divorce a sin? Is divorce a sin? And my answer is yes and no. How can it be both? Yes and no. Is divorce a sin? If divorce is a sin and is always a sin, then if you look at this scripture in Jeremiah 3, 6, uh, 6 through 8, if you want to turn back there with me, Jeremiah 3, 6 through 8 says this, During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, Have you seen what fickle Israel does? Why are we talking about Israel? I thought we were talking about marriage. I thought we were talking about divorce. Why are we talking about a nation now? Because last week we understand this, according to Ephesians chapter 5, that what happens between a man and a woman is symbolic of Christ and the church. The greatest analogy that the Bible uses to talk about the kingdom of God and Christ's union with his people is marriage. And so if we don't understand marriage according to the Bible, we don't understand hardly any of the analogies God uses in the Bible to tell us about Christ's union in the church. So that's why we're looking back at Jeremiah 3, 6 through 8, because it is talking about now about God and the nation of Israel, or New Testament, Christ and the church. Okay? So if in marriage there's sometimes divorce, what happens between the relationship with God and his people or Christ and the church? Verse 6, have you seen what fickle Israel does? Like a wife, here's the analogy, who commits adultery, Israel has worshipped other gods on every hill under every green tree. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me. But she did not come back. And though her faithless sister Judah saw this, she paid no attention. She saw, now listen to this, that I had divorced faithless Israel. If divorce is a sin, then God is a sinner. Are you with me? Are you following my train of thought? We know that sin is whatever is consistent with the nature of God. So if God does it, it's okay to do. If, if God was, a, you know, this, then it's okay to be that. If God divorced Israel, we know this, that not every time is divorce a sin. How does God feel about divorce? Well, we know this according to uh, Malachi 2.16. What did it state? It said that God, what? Hates. He detests. He despises. He hates divorce. 
He can't stand it. Why can't he stand it? Because it goes against his original design and his original intent in Genesis chapter 2. That man and woman would come together. That the nation of Israel and God would come together. That Christ and his people would come together. And they would stay together. They would live together. That was his original design. Therefore, God hates divorce. Okay, are you with me? But just because God hates divorce doesn't mean that divorce is a sin. Why? Because God divorced Israel. Why did God divorce Israel? It's very clear in Scripture. God loved the, 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 the children of Israel. That was the nation. That was the people after God's own heart. That was the people that was supposed to demonstrate who God was on earth, just like we who call ourselves Christ followers are today. And he loved them, and every time they would walk away, he would wait for them, he would love them, but sometimes they would go so far and he would wait so long that the only thing left to do was to divorce Israel. To turn them over to their passions, to turn them over to their lusts, and to say, you know what, my covenant agreement with you is now severed. It is now taken apart. But the cool thing is, is that every time Israel would repent and come back, God would establish a new covenant with them and take them back. And that is the mercy and the grace and the love of God. Okay? But God himself served a certificate of divorce. Why? Because they had gone so far, they wouldn't come back. Can I say this on divorce this morning? According to the scripture, if God can serve a divorce certificate, and, and you know, you have, to, you have to be sensitive to this issue, because the reality is there's some of you sitting right here today that have been through divorce, whether it's parents or whether it's yourself. Okay, And you have to be sensitive to this issue because sometimes divorce is a sin and sometimes it's not. Okay, There are sometimes in a, in a married couple's life where, where things happen. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Okay, God himself allowed divorce to be set up under the Mosaic Covenant. Why? Because he understands we're now in a fallen world and sometimes things happen and sometimes people can't reconcile and get back together. The thing with the covenant is this, is that there are two wills at work. Okay? There's, in, in my relationship, there's my will and there's my wife's will. And because God blessed our marriage, there's God's will. What's God's will? God's will is that we would stay married all the days of our life. But there's my will and there's her will. And if my will gets out of whack, okay, and begins to tick her off, which never happens. I've actually switched the roles here in the minute. No, I was kidding. If, our wills, if my will gets out of whack and I now begin to do things that I should not be doing that are contrary to marriage, that are contrary to our relationship, and I begin to do things and she confronts me on that, but I look at her and say, hey, whatever, I'm going to do my own thing, okay? And she comes and she says, but baby, I love you. I want to stay married to you. Stop doing those things. But I'm just like, you know, whatever. Okay? And I keep going down that path and I keep doing whatever I want to do. Okay? The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof leads to death, destruction, and in this case, the separation of a marriage. She can only do what she can do with her will and God's will working together. But unfortunately, my will is involved in this thing too. And if I don't want to surrender my will back to God and surrender my will back to my marriage, then she is left with no other choice than to say, you know what, I've done everything I can. I'm sorry. I've tried. I can't live with this. I love you and I want to. And if you ever turn, man, I'll be the first to take you back, whatever it might be. Okay? There's also other situations okay, where maybe there's abuse involved. Okay, now, now, the majority of the time, it's usually a man who abuses a woman, but I've seen 
the, uh, the roles reversed before. Matter of fact, one time I was valeting in downtown Seattle, and I heard a blowout fight. I mean, it was like blowout, and there was this old house sitting in just in the middle of, you know, kind of like you see some houses down here, and they're just like, there it is. And it's just, it's an old house. And I mean, I was probably 50 yards away and this was a bad, I heard things breaking, I heard yelling, I heard all this stuff. And I had seen, you know, people live there before and I was just like, man, I need to call. So I called it in and sure enough, the police came and they were in there for about 30 minutes. Um, and I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting to see the man being brought out in handcuffs. But you know what, who they brought out? They brought out the woman in handcuffs and took her away. It can go both ways. Now, typically it's the man, Okay. And can I just say this? There is never, ever, ever a good reason. There's never a bad reason. There's never a mediocre reason, okay, to ever hit a woman, ever. Best thing you can do is walk away. Are you with me? Just, just walk away, okay? But in those situations, sometimes abuse is involved, okay? And, and, and I believe this with all my heart because, you know, we read that scripture, you know, what God has brought together, let no man tear apart. Can I say this? I don't know if God's brought every marriage together. Are you with me? There are ma- people married right now, okay, that, you know, and, and, and I think we've abused that scripture, you know, what God has brought together, let no man put asunder, and let no one tear apart, you know, and, and we even speak it over. Can I, you better be sure that God brought that couple together. Because I've seen some people get together that you just look at me like, there's no way they should have ever been together, Okay? But for whatever reason, look, can I tell you something? Convenience is not a good reason to get married. And I'll even say this, having a, a baby out of wedlock is not a good reason to get married. Because the reality is, is if, he was, he, if, he was, if he was doing that with you before you're married, he's going to do it with somebody else after you're married. Those, those, aren't, those aren't good reasons. Those aren't good reasons, Okay. The best reason to get married is because, man, God has really brought it together. Are you with me? And there are marriages out there. And so, and so we, we look at some relationships that have, 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 have you know, suffered divorce. But you know what? Can I be honest with you? And I'm going to say it. Maybe you've never heard a pastor say it before. Divorce was the best thing for that couple. Wow. Probably never heard a pastor say that one before. And I may never say it again. So. <laughs> but in some cases, now listen to me today. If you walk out of here thinking, sweet, i got biblical grounds now to go divorce somebody. You're missing the whole point, okay? Because if that's what you're looking for in your heart, you're already divorced. Are you with me? Okay, all right? That, that's not, we're, we're, we're just saying what the Bible says about it. How do you know, Ben, that, that not every marriage was brought together by God? How do you know that not every marriage is blessed by God? Because when the children of Israel went into captivity into Babylon, and they were there for a long time, you can read your Bible, read the Old Testament, they were there for a long time. And when they were in captivity, they ended up ma- marrying women from, from other, other nations. And when they came out of captivity, you know what God told them to do? Divorce them. Don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because that marriage wasn't brought together by God. Are you with me? So are there, is, 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 is divorce a sin? Yes and no. Well, Ben, okay, we've got, we've got the no part down. God divorced and, and so therefore it can't always be sin. What about the yes? Well, if you look at the New Testament, and this is where we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Some people come and they try to, they try to trick Jesus and they say, hey, yo, Jesus, is it okay for us to divorce? But they didn't just stop there. They said, for any reason. Is it okay for us to divorce for any reason? Now, I love the way Jesus answers people sometimes. 
Because Jesus sometimes doesn't answer the question. He just says this. Now look what he says. He doesn't answer the question. He doesn't say you know, no or yes. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? You total idiots. That's basically what he's saying. You, are you serious right now? Because I mean, here's the thing. God knows everything. We know that Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh on earth. And so he, he knows right when they're coming to him, oh, these guys are going to try to trap me. You know. He doesn't even answer the question. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male, female, And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one separate them for for what God has joined together. Uh, Let no one separate what God has joined together. What does Jesus do? Jesus does this. He doesn't answer the question. He he goes back to the original design. Okay? We have in the garden, everything's perfect, everything's in harmony. Man, marriage is blessed. There's no chance of divorce. It's not even a thought. Then we have the fall of man. We have the Mosaic Covenant. Okay, if something bad goes on, you know, issue, issue the divorce certificate. But we know that when Jesus comes on the scene, two things happen. First is he levels the playing field. What do we mean by that? He says this, there is no Jew or Gentile, male or female. What does he do? He is there reestablishing the original design, which is we are co-equal. We are in this thing together. We are moving on the same plane. Are you with me? This is Jesus on the scene. This is what he wants to do. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become, become new. Okay? Old things are passed away. What's he talking about? Look, he's not abolishing all the old covenants, but what he's saying, look, I want to take things back to the original design. I want to take things back to where man and woman were equal. I want to take things back to where marriage really meant something. He's taking it back to the original design. Then why did Moses give us this? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce. Listen to what he says. That is a concession to what? Your hard-hearted wickedness. I mean, think about that for a minute. You know, it's like, the only reason, you know, I allowed Moses to do that is because, you know, you guys are idiots and you're not going to change. And so I had to, you know, hard-hearted wickedness does this. Now listen to this. Listen to what he says. And I tell you this, a man who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. We know this. We know that Jesus always took things back to the intention of the heart. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says this. Jesus says, look, you know, the Ten Commandments, they say don't kill anybody, but I say to you, if you look at somebody with hatred in your heart, you have already murdered them. Right? What did Jesus do? He was taking things back to the motive. He was taking things back to the intention. Are you with me? Okay? So, is divorce sin? Yes and no. We got the no part. What about the yes part? There was a problem during this time. The reason the Pharisees came to him asking this question, because what was happening at this time was this. Married to somebody, but the grass is greener over in that pasture. If you know what I'm talking about. I'm married to this woman. Wow! That one over there don't look too bad either. That's what was happening. And so that's why they came and asked the question, hey, is it okay just, you know, we divorce? Okay? 
So what was happening is they were severing a covenant so that they could now be joined with somebody else. Okay? That's why in this passage, then Jesus goes on to state what he states about adultery. Okay? So back to the intention of the heart. Listen to me. Just because you can't work out a situation on your own isn't a good reason to get a divorce. Think about the covenant of marriage. For better or for somewhat good? For better or for best? For better or for outrageous? No, for better or for worse. Now here's the problem we talked about. Like, sometimes we put a definition on what worse is. And then after that, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. I would do Anyway, don't get me singing. Okay? And we have a definition on it. Okay? No. Where that covenant vow came from was for better or for worse. In other words, nothing. Absolutely nothing. God hates divorce. Why does he hate divorce? Because it goes against his original design. In other words, God is saying this, man, the best possible case scenario always stay together. The worst possible case always stay together. But sometimes I understand because we live in a fallen world that divorce is the only option. When does it become the option? It becomes the option when everything else has been exhausted. We've done everything we can. Man, we've worked on it together. We've gone to counseling. Man, we, 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 we've read the Bible 1,300 times in one week, which would be a miracle. You know, man, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've done everything, okay? But it's just not happening, okay? If those things don't happen, if it's just like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with this and I'm out and, you know, whatever, okay, God takes it back to the intention because for better or for worse. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Are you understand what the Bible says this morning? Let me touch real briefly then on, what, on his last statement because I've heard this passage over and over again be used for grounds for divorce, okay? Verse 9, and I tell you this, a man who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. Why did he say that? Because people were looking at the, the pastor that's greener on the other side, okay? Now listen to what it says, unless his wife has been unfaithful. I have heard this scripture taught more times than not that the only grounds for divorce is adultery. How many of you guys have heard it taught that way? Am I the only one? Okay. Only grounds. So, I mean, hey, stay together, but you know what? If, if, if adultery happens, I mean, you've got permission. You've got permission. Actually, even in the Mosaic Covenant, that, wasn't, that was established, but that wasn't the only thing that was established. The reason he did it was because of the hardness of your heart. What's the hardness of heart? The inability to forgive somebody else, for better or for worse. That's pretty bad. But I'm in this thing for better or for worse, and it's going to be really hard for me to forgive you, but, you know, I'm going to forgive you. Okay? Listen to what Jesus is actually saying. Okay? He's saying this. He says, if you do what you're intending to do by asking me this question... Can I divorce the woman for any reason? If you go and do that and you serve her a certificate of divorce, you are causing her to commit adultery and you yourself are committing adultery. Unless she's already in adultery. Then she's already in adultery, so you haven't caused her to be in adultery and you yourself have been kept out of adultery. 
Jesus was not saying, hey, go ahead on this. No, he was saying this. If you do what you're intending to do, the intention, the motive of your heart, say, Ben, how can you say that? I can say that because of this. Because in Matthew chapter 5, in the same scripture where it says, if you, uh, you know, you've heard that you shall not murder, but if you look at somebody with anger, you've murdered. In that same passage, he says, you've read that it says, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you even look at somebody with lust, you have committed adultery. Hear what I'm saying today? Now, if that's the case, if Jesus is saying the only grounds for divorce is adultery, then every single person sitting here today has grounds for adultery. Unless you're all like, like, like super pure, like, like beyond, like you're Jesus, okay? Because I even know, even being a married man, sometimes you, you know, you're like, wow, she's beautiful. And, and if that doesn't get caught real quick, it can go to the next level. Are you with me? And this is not a surprise to her. She's the first person I confess to when I have, you know. And I'll tell you what, that is one great way to kill impure thoughts is have your wife be your accountability partner. <laughs> I mean, how many times a day do you want to be going to her, hey, babe, by the way, I... It, it, you know, it kills that real quick, you know. All of us would have grounds. If that's what Jesus was saying, all of us would have grounds for divorce, but that's not what Jesus was saying. Are you with me today? Let's move on. Lastly, we're going to close right here. Number three, what does the Bible say about divorce? Number three, will God still use a divorced person? Will God still use a divorced person? I think here, uh, because divorce does not just uh, affect the two people separating. If there's children involved, it affects the children dramatically. My wife came from a divorced, a divorced family. Man, God, God you know, salvaged that, saved that, and man, she turned out amazing. Love you. Okay. But man, it affects little kids. It affects them. It affects the relatives. It affects the people that you've celebrated the last, you know, five Christmases with. Are you with me? It affects people at your work. It affects people around you. It affects people that you live. It affects the church. It affects everybody. Divorce is not just, okay, we're separated. Now we get on our merry way. Divorce has lifelong implications to it. But can I tell you this? One of the places that they should be able to come for hope and for redemption is the church. But I've been involved in places before, and, and, I, I, and I, I've, I've, I've seen it happen, where, where, where we treat divorced people as outcasts. We treat them as their subpar. We treat them as, you know what, oh yeah, you know what you can do? You can, um, you know, you can sweep the parking lot. Thank you for being on the setup team. Here's a broom. Oh yeah, we need help, you know, building something. You know, can you swing a hammer? Okay. That, to me, adds to the pain of divorce and is not biblical and is not right. Okay? Is divorce sin? Yes and no. Okay? And just because you've been through a divorce doesn't mean you're in sin. And just because you've been through a divorce does not make you subpar and unable to minister in a church somewhere. Does there need to be a healing process that takes place? Yes. Does there need to be some ministry that happens in that life? Yes, but can I tell you something? Our God is a God of redemption, a God of forgiveness, and a God who reestablishes people. Ben, how do you know that? Look at King David. King David went and committed adultery. God dealt with it, but he never lost his kingdom. I think we as the church have gotten really good at finding issues and, and, and bringing, bringing judgment on people, and maybe not even judgment, but, but, but maybe bringing like, uh, you know, hey, this needs to happen. You need to repent. 
We've been really good at that, but can I tell you something? We've been really horrible at reestablishing people in ministry. Honestly, I mean, you see some people that have fallen in the kingdom of God, some prominent figures. I'll just say it. I think the coolest thing in the world that could happen is one day we see them reestablished in ministry back in the pulpit preaching. Why? Because that right there shows me that our God is a God of forgiveness, a God of redemption, and a God who doesn't just come. Listen to me. God's intention in finding issues in people's lives and sin in people's lives is not for punishment. Can you hear what I'm saying today if you hear nothing else? God does not look for things that are wrong just so he can be like, ah! That is not God's intention. God's intention is to look, to find it, and say, wow, there is so much potential inside of you. Man, there is such a big destiny inside of you. But you know what? You're not going to fulfill it unless we kind of tweak this. Can I tweak this so you can get to where you need to be? It's not so we can just be like, yeah, I'll sit on the sidelines for the rest of your life. Are you with me this morning? It is like, man, there is something wrong. Let's fix this thing. Let's get it right. And let's get you walking in the dream. Let's get you walking and fulfilling your destiny. That is the heart of God, even when it comes to divorce. And God, yes, will use people that have gone through divorce. He will use them in his kingdom. He will use them on platforms. He will use, are you with me today? That is God's heart. Too many places, though, have, have, have just not allowed that to happen. And here's, here's the reality of the whole issue. Even if you walk out of here with a different opinion than what I'm trying to present out of the Word of God today, maybe you walk out of here today and you think, man, divorce is sin 100% of the time. That's okay. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for all sin, which means that every situation is redeemable. Are you with me today? Jesus is saying, I want you to remember the marriage, the picture not just of a man and a woman, but it's a picture of Jesus and the church. And what did Jesus do? He went to great lengths, laid down his life, died on the cross so that the church could be redeemed. I want to read you the scripture as we close today. It's Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2, and I just want you to listen to it. You can turn it if you want, but I want you to hear this today because I believe this is the heart of God and this is what God wants to communicate. Because the reality is this, is that there's people sitting here, and yeah, you may have been through a divorce, but where are you with your relationship with God? You might be separated from that woman you married or that man you married, but are you separated from God? And the cool thing is, is God is still wanting you, coming after you. It says in Revelations that, man, Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking, and if anyone would open up, man, he's going to come in and he's going to be with them. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 This is after the children of Israel had walked away from God and God had delivered them a divorce certificate. Verse 14, But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her out into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. In that coming day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. In that day, in that coming day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband. We will be married. We will be united. We will be as one again. Why? Because that's the original intent that God wanted for everybody sitting here today is that you and I would be united with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And yes, the picture of that that we see on earth today is the picture of marriage. Yes, God hates divorce. 
But can I tell you something? Divorce is also redeemable. Hosea chapter 2 makes it very clear that it's redeemable. That there is no situation outside of God's control. God can work in every single situation and in every person's life. And if you stay submitted to God and you stay submitted to one another, divorce will never be an option. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I thank you, Lord God, that the truth of your word was shared today on this subject. God, that we can walk out of here confidently knowing that God, no matter who we are, God, whether we come from a divorced family or whether we ourselves have walked through divorce or whether we're walking through it right now, that we can walk out of here confident knowing that, God, there is still a plan for our life. God, knowing that there's still a dream that you have for us, knowing that there's still a destiny you have for us. God, I pray for those right now that are sitting in this room that maybe have gone through divorce. God, maybe they've walked through it. Maybe they're about to walk through it. God, maybe they come from a divorced family. I pray that today, God, I pray today in Jesus' mighty name, God, that they would not be victims, God, to a fallen world. But I pray that today they would rise up victorious knowing that Hosea chapter 2, God, you're going to redeem them. God, you're going to redeem them. God, you're going to redeem them. Lord, I know, Lord God, there's probably still some pain. There's still some hurt. Maybe for some of them there's children involved. Maybe, maybe, God, they only get to see the children on the weekend or maybe they only get to see their children two weeks in the summer. God, whatever it might be. And God, maybe their pain, money, And every time that money goes out, God, there's a reminder. Lord, I pray today that, God, your grace would come. And, God, your grace would cover. And, God, your grace would shield. Hallelujah.